Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. All right. And we're back with Boots, Balls, and Bras podcast. And today we have a very awesome guest, Lucy Stanforth. Thank you for joining us. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and uh, your move from United to Villa is has uh, stirred some waves, and we were chatting about you last week, so Farah thought, hey, why don't we just get you on and have you chat with us about all the fun topics, so thanks for joining us. First of all, like, how is Villa, and why did you move? What was the, what was the motivation? Um, well, I think it's, it was quite obvious, really. I wasn't getting a lot of playing time at United, I think. You know, at the beginning of the season, I'd signed a contract extension with them, hoping to get more minutes on the pitch, and it just sort of transpired that I didn't. Um, so I think the club were good in the sense that they understood, like they understood what I wanted, and yeah, life at Villa is good. I can't complain. Louis, <laughs> what about when you was at Birmingham? Um, you settled really well there. The city, like you, literally probably had uh, arguably your best seasons there as a footballer. So you're back close to Birmingham, not not just down the road. Are you hoping for the same sort of performances on the pitch and getting back to that level that you're playing at more consistently with Villa? Yeah, yeah. I think I think like any footballer, obviously, when you're playing consistently, that's when you can kind of get into your rhythm and uh, show what you're about. I think, obviously, the time at United, I was in and out, and it's just so hard to get that momentum and even just the... You know the the rhythm of playing the same position all the time. I was playing multiple positions in that team, so it's difficult. So, mm. yeah, obviously, when you have a bit more of like a yeah a steady idea of what's expected of you and what you need to bring to the table, yeah, I'm hoping. Well, so far so good. I've been really happy with how I've played and stuff. So, can't, you know, going, can't uh, going on that then, Lou. So, what's your preferred position as a midfielder? Obviously, you're midfielder, right? But obviously, yeah. there's multiple positions that you can play. What would you say? Is your strongest position in midfield where you get the very best of losing the ball? Um, I think it's a hard one because I still I'm not sure myself, but mm. I think my best attributes are when I'm facing forward. So, you know, if that is playing deeper, I, I do think that suits me a bit better. Um, obviously, there's a bits to that game that I probably need to you know sharpen up on or learn, but. I think where I'm playing right now at Villa, I'm really enjoying it. Um, obviously, the team plays football as well, so that really mm. suits me. You look right now, too. You guys are in sixth place out of 12. And, I mean, it's 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 not shocking that you're already at sixth place, but just in terms of like where you had expected them to be now and where you think they might end up at the end of the season, do you think that you guys can, you know, get top five top four or do you think that six is pretty generous given the you know how they've had their run or what yeah do you see? it's funny because from going in the building and playing with the team me and Jordan were like I actually thought we'd be higher 
and yeah. the way that the girls are and like the way that the team plays, they play with the fearlessness of a team that's, you know, aspiring to break down those uh, places between us and top five, top four. I think that, I don't, I don't know, it's so hard because right now, obviously, everything's great. I don't really know like how the team sort of reacts to adversity and stuff, but I would say that there's the you know the the squad and the players that are there are good enough to push for sure. Like when you look at the teams in and around us, you got Everton and West Ham. I would pit us above them, especially you know we've got a solid backline, but we've got you know probably the most informed striker, bar Bonnie Shaw at the minute. Um, I'd always say we've got a chance in games, so we've got a really nice run of fixtures coming up. So that's really exciting too. Yeah, um, Rachel Daly is not a bad striker. We've been we've been no. chatting about her. Is she a defender? Is she a striker? I think <laughs> she's going to get some minutes as a striker. But we we did discuss that last week. What were you going to say? You know what? Sorry, just as Beck says that, Luce, just on that, right? And I know you might want to answer it, but obviously you've played international football, right? So you know the levels between international club football. Do you think, given the fact that Rachel's playing so well at, at, at WSL and obviously did when she was in NWSL and scoring goals, do you think she should be given a chance as a number nine in the Lionesses, or do you think actually she's more comfortable as a fullback in the international setup? You don't have to answer, but it would be interesting to yeah. see. Yeah, I do, but answer, but answer for us. <laughs> so, I think what she's doing right now, she deserves a chance, but to obviously play devil's advocate, I am a huge admirer of Alessia, and I think that at the minute, I would say that that's her like shirt to lose, but I, 100% believe Rach deserves a chance. I think she has like really good traits of a centre forward, you know, always peeling on the back shoulder. She's always available. Um, it's something that I like to play with. When I look up, I can see that she's ready for the ball to come in. She's not, you know, on her heels reacting to whatever comes around her. I think that she's got so much to offer in that position. Um, I guess I think it's funny when you're versatile. You, it's it's a really frustrating thing. You end up playing a lot, but you're always you can never like hold down one position. Mm. Uh, that was a bit like with you though, Luz. You played out on the wing, like yeah. you played as an eight or ten. So you're right. When you're versatile, like how difficult is it to then go? This is my main attribute, and I actually want to stick it out and try and fight for that position. Yeah, it's so hard because Rach, at the end of the day, Rach is just a good footballer. She's an intelligent player, isn't she? So um, she can do a job in multiple positions. And um, I found it frustrating in my career being someone that's like, oh, well, so-and-so's injured, Lucy can just play on the wing. Or, you know, <laughs> we need someone in a, a deeper position. Let's just put Lucy there. And it's so hard to, like, just pick up a position and do exactly what that position requires and then maybe the next game, say you've had a good game in that position, but then the next game you, you shipped off to a different position and you're like, it's a completely different game, especially when you're playing out wide to them playing centrally. Um, so I feel for Rach in that sense because she is in red hot form. I think just to add to that, like we said last week about Eng the England sort of setup and Russo being so good up front. And we're saying in terms of like having daily there, if needed, is a, is a great attribute. But I think there's enough in terms of the squad without having to put her in that position. But like you said, Lucy, I think if, again, it, again, it's down to her if she actually wants to even go into that position. But I think as a, as a country, it's great to have a, someone who's so good as a backup. 
it kind of reminds me of myself as a goalkeeper <laughs> or a referee. Um, question, question loose. Um, so we talked about Villa and obviously how well they're doing or obviously how they might be aspirational in terms of pushing on. How much of that is down to the manager? How much of that is, is down to, I guess, what she instills in, in the squad and, and what you guys want to do going forward? Um, yeah, I think a lot of credit has to go to Carla. I think uh, she's really surprised me since I've come in. She's fearless. Like she, I, I keep thinking, like, is it a good thing or a bad thing that she's so fearless? Because, you know, she's willing to trust people, take risks. Um, obviously, the young players play in loads, um, which you don't necessarily always see. So, like, I love that about her. And I think that you can see it in the way the team play, you know, the played Arsenal the other day and I watch it and me and Farrah were speaking about Laura Brown. She's playing out from the back and going from one centre-back to the other by passing the ball across the box. I thought she was going to get an assist for Arsenal, but it just shows, you know, like trusting the process and, and instilling that in the players. And I think I can't speak highly enough of her. I think that she's um, she's definitely really surprised me. I knew she was good with people, but in terms of, you know, what she can give um, going into a game, it, it's quite rare, I think, what she's got. Is she fearless because she's, she knows what it is to be at, like, rock bottom in terms of, like, being with Blues and helping them stay up? Is she kind of like, I know what it's like to be right down there and actually I can kind of judge because I've got that sort of lived experience as a manager or just she's just great? Yeah, I just, I think that um, maybe, maybe because she was a more attacking player, um, maybe that's something that's, you know, part of her football DNA you know she's willing to take risks and she's um yeah just like more more focused on what you can get out of the game rather than what could hurt you in the game um obviously she's not stupid but I think that um yeah I just I really like that about her it's really refreshing to work with someone that's um looking at what we can gain rather than you know potentially where you could get hurt in a game so last week we spoke on a podcast obviously about the game, the transfer window and about bringing more foreign players on will obviously mean less opportunity for young players. We just spoke there, it Blinkeld Brown. Like I admire her as a young player. I think she's got huge potential to be probably one of the next ones to come through the England under 23s into the seniors. With the signings of yourself and Jordan and obviously Darley in the summer, how do you see her playing time then? You say Carl is brave. Do you see her trying to find a way to fit her in or do you see her being the easy option to be left out? And maybe you can't answer that, but in terms of her potential, I think she's she's got unbelievable potential. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. I think um, she's been so lucky this like first part of the season to have played so much. Um, obviously, it, it does give Carla a bit more of a headache with having... Um, the club's got quite a few midfielders, actually, so it's mm. probably quite a difficult decision for her at times, but... Look, she's been playing on uh, like the right-hand side as well. Um, and I know we just spoke about being versatile, but obviously it's really, I think it's so good when young players get different experiences in different positions. But I think she'll definitely get minutes. She'll play a part for sure. She's a fit girl. She's, you know, busy. She's always willing to listen. Um, and I think that, yeah, it's she's in a good place. Can I, can I bring it back to you, Luz? Because we, we talked about the transfer window in our last podcast and you know you have been part of Lioness's squad and a lot of us think that you should be back in the Lioness's squad a lot of fans do as well 
Was that one of the reasons why you wanted to transfer to Aston Villa? And what do you think, you know, what are your goals? Are you looking to get back in? Do you want to see some time? Yeah, I mean, I think I've always felt like when I've gone away with England that I've not maybe, you know, had a, a, a fair crack at the whip. I think I've played little games here and there, mostly friendlies. Um, so I would love to put myself in a position where that's an, a real conversation, not just getting picked, but, you know, can I contribute in any certain way? Um, it wasn't necessarily in my thinking. I just wanted to play. I think I was so, I felt like you get to a certain point in your career where you can feel the clock's ticking and you're like, yeah. I, play. I just need to play. It didn't matter where it was or uh, who it was with. I, I mean, luckily, Villa is the perfect fit for me at the moment. So, yeah, I think I'm, I'm not going to think too much about it, but if it happens, then brilliant. That's fab. And and just, just touching on that, and I think this link is that next, I guess my question is, how are you? Because a lot of the time we just talk about football and we keep going and just take the next game after the next. And I know, obviously, you've been married quite recently. You've moved to... Oh, yay! Congratulations! Uh, Thank you. You don't always focus on, like, the well-being of a player. And I think... I think that's the nice thing around women's football is kind of getting to know the person. And yeah, I just wanted to know, like, how are, how is Lucy? Yeah, I'm, I'm really good, thank you. I think um, it's hard when you play football. I don't know if you guys were very similar, but I take a lot of my happiness from being on the pitch and playing. And, it, you know, that that's where a lot of my happiness comes from in life. And obviously, Laura. She'll kill me for that. <laughs> she's a regular listener, so I'm glad you got that in because I don't want to start off. <laughs> she is a big listener, yeah. She's probably a big listener. good feedback. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think like the last year has been really difficult on the pitch. I think I found it really frustrating. Obviously, it's quite, yeah, it's hard to keep your motivational levels, your standards, everything day in, day out when. Yeah, you're not playing that much, but at the moment I'm really good. I'm can say from the 22nd of December 2022, life's got oh, yeah. very good. <laughs> <laughs> so nice to hear. So nice that, to hear. Was that, was that day planned for that reason? No, but I love the number two, and it's yeah. funny how things work out. I just I'm, I was so buzzy when I like could write the date out, and I'm like, it just looks. <laughs> Such an aesthetic date. Uh, Luce, we're, we're, we're moving up. We're going to be in our second half. We'll be talking about, like, obviously the drop off of female coaches and stuff within the game. So, obviously, you've worked under male and female coaches, just coming from a, a male coach at, at Manchester United and now you're with a female at Aston Villa. Do you have, like, a preference or do you see, like, huge differences in, in female coaches to male coaches within our game? Yeah, I was, I was thinking a lot about this earlier and I feel like. It's a hard question to answer because you can only go on the experiences that you have as a player. And from my experiences as a player, I think that the female managers that I've worked with, um, and I don't know if this just comes from you know society and the way women are, but I think that women are a lot, they, ha they have a much smaller ego. It's less about them and it's more about the team. I think that in terms of understanding female players, I've always had better relationships with female managers. Um, for me, it's never about, you know, the tactical, technical side. I think that always sort of takes care of itself. I think the most important thing is how they treat you as a person. And 
uh, just relate to you and stuff. So for me, I think that from my experiences, women have always proven to be a manager or a person that I would prefer to work with. Mm, that's so interesting like because we've obviously seen a big drop off is what we were discussing in our um, podcast last week of female coaches and we've just seen Arsenal's assistant coach as well uh, resign female coach and is that is that an issue do you think do you think that we need to be seeing more female coaches coming through do you think that there's something we should be doing different in the game or do you think you know that's fine obviously not because you prefer the female ones but <laughs> I think I like it's a shame that you know maybe the opportunities aren't there or people are not getting the time that they want or the support that they need to you know carry out that carry out those roles I think it'll be really interesting in this sort of next era of players that are playing that would potentially come in towards the end of the career because I think that there's probably a lot of people that sit within that bracket that have got a lot to offer mm. you, I guess you look at maybe a, a slightly odd but someone like Joe Potter I've heard really good things about her at Birmingham and, you know, I think that it's important that people, it's it's that cliche of if you can see it, you can be it. And if you see someone like Joe, who's a former player, now assistant coach at Birmingham, you know, in that position, then I hope that it gives a lot of people, you know, that opportunity and, and desire to be in those positions. Because I think that, that there's so much you can take from your playing career into those kind of roles in there. and I think it's a shame that if, if it gets wasted. Would you ever be a manager? No. <laughs> <laughs> that was another question I was going to ask. Do you reckon you have to, or, or are managers better if they've been a former player? When we spoke to Bibi, she said about refereeing, that, that they kind of understand the game a little bit better. Do you reckon that it's a natural transition from a player going across to, to management? Or could you just be just someone who's really interested in the game and could still be a great manager. I haven't seen any examples of just people just rocking up to the game and being managers, but is it, do you reckon that's a caveat in terms of if you have to have that sort of interest from playing? I feel like it, in my opinion, it would, it would really help. I think that in the last two, three years, I've learned so much as a player that, you know, it would only, give you a, a much bigger advantage and stuff going into management I think that to understand how it feels to be a player to do certain things you know setbacks adversity good times I think that when you have that lived experience it's almost priceless and I think that obviously you know anyone not anyone but I wouldn't say that nobody could be a manager if they've not played but I think that for the women's game especially I do think that it's a it's almost like a niche bubble and if people have, have lived that experience and almost you know understand yeah the the issues that people might face and stuff i think that it it does help mm. Luke, you know on say for example say so even like even like your your end of, of your career and even the younger the younger players coming through do you think that we need better skilled technically skilled coaches in order to help develop the next generation of players coming through even yourself you're at an age where you can still learn and develop do you think there's enough skilled coaches in the women's game currently that are helping to progress that? Um, to answer your question, I, I don't know. It's hard because you can't generalise. I don't know what other clubs have on offer. I do think that it's maybe an area that could see a bit more detail given to it, for sure. I remember, obviously, when you were at Reading, you were 
waxing lyrical about how much you were learning and um yeah I think that you obviously you're never too old to learn and if someone came to me and was like let let's sit down we're going to work on this I think you can you know really excel here I'd be I'd be buzzing so I yeah. think that um yeah maybe I, I don't know for example, I don't really for example, the lose, say for example Mark Skinner or, or Ray, uh, sorry or, or Carla Ward right when you were at either either of those teams for example if you ask for like extra technical detailed sessions at the end of your session do you get it from either of those coaches or is there somebody employed within the clubs to then go this is our technical coach because we ain't got enough time in terms of like team coaching to be able to do that to individuals but in order for you to develop within that squad there's somebody there or, or not I think yeah I think from my experiences there's never a specific technical coach I think that that's probably where women's football maybe falls short in terms of like resources and funding for or they may may not see the value in having a specific technical coach um it would probably fall under like the remit of the assistant manager or um another coach within the group um but I think that yeah I I think it's so valuable especially the younger players coming through because they don't train enough when they're younger and stuff I don't think that to Mm. get exposure um to yeah the levels that are required when they come to the first team so you'd like to think that that may be something in the future that's where sort of football's going where you get more specialist coaches in specific areas like finishing coaches stuff like that Aaron, it's funny you say that because I saw um watching the City game yesterday they were interviewing Khadija Shaw after the game and she was saying that she was been working with Sean Gota doing go. some one-to-one like stuff off like during training and well, she's basically saying that yeah, that's what he was. That's what the manager was saying. She's on fire this year. Like literally, yeah. some of the stuff she does this year, you didn't see last year. And maybe you put that down to her not getting regular games. Obviously, with Ellen White being there, but if she's had that and inconsistency that comes with that, mate, she's on fire this year. She's probably the well, arguably you know up there with Rage. But in, in terms of the best all-round striker at the minute in the league, you'd have to put her up there. I'm just saying it just goes to show when you do have that the expertise or somebody that's kind of had those experiences, and even if it's not so much a detail, but can also help. With those type of things, how much a player, especially in the women's game, can improve because we are, as we spoke last week on the pod, we're on a journey to professionalism. We're nowhere near professional. We have we have that tag and that label because our game we're getting paid to do it full time. Mm-hmm. But in terms of being there, we're nowhere near there. So in terms of those small steps, I think they're so important in order to grow the game and make the game a better product. Definitely. If anyone wants a slide tackling coach, I'm available. My DMs are open. <laughs> Slash WWF tackling wrestling. <laughs> Wait there, Bex, before we let Lucy go, because Lucy yeah. took loads of time, right? I've seen an article today, Henry Winter, is, is it Winter, is that his name? Henry With Hope Powell, and they asked her about the England coach. Should they be English or not? What's your thoughts? If you don't have to give one, I'm just going to put it out there, because wow. the England coach should be English. Even though Serena has done massive things with the England the Lionesses. And Wait, so Hope to... said Hope said that they should be English? Yeah. In an article yeah. today, I just read it. So it's just been interesting. I don't have to answer, but what's your yeah. thought? <laughs> You've got to pick your battles, haven't you? I mean... <laughs> don't pick it yet. Wait until you become English <laughs> and get back to the squad. And yeah. we'll come back to you. I think if you asked any England fan, though, would they trade the Euros for an English coach? The, the answer would be no. So, obviously answer nice i think serena's i think i think what serena's done with that team's brilliant so it's proof in the pudding isn't it? Well, i've got <laughs> i've got one more tiny question for you well we do what bit of advice would you give for yourself 
to younger self or to young girls now? Does, can we quick? The advice that the thing that's coming to mind with me at the moment for myself is I had the opportunity to go and play in America when I was younger, um, where Lucy went at UNC. I would have said, France, yeah. go there. That would be my advice to myself. I was so quick to jump at the opportunity of playing in the Women's Super League at that moment that I feel like I missed a trick with that one. Uh, but to younger girls, like the thing that I always loved to do when I was younger, me and Lucy would just spend hours and hours and hours passing the ball back to each other, kick-ups, you know, we make videos, stupid videos, and I'm so glad no one will ever find these videos ever again. But I think, like, just falling in love with the game and finding a friend that, you know, you can just practice on hours with, I think that's the thing that those are my fondest memories from growing up. Oh, Definitely. that's so sweet, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so obviously like women's footballers I think we're a little bit different to men in terms of society and always obviously it's only just become professional quite recently like have you had any sort of ideas of anything that you goals you want to do off the pitch once you sort of finish playing because I know it might not be football related it might just be like an actor you wanted to be when you were younger or something <laughs> so is this, is this my aspirations for post-career yeah sure? post-career post okay, okay. Well, obviously, I told you I didn't want to be a manager, but I think my ultimate dream um, at the moment is probably to be head of women's football at Newcastle United. I'm being very specific here. Wow. Put it Why are Newcastle United? <laughs> you know, you know. Why there? They've got, Why there? They've got an amazing women's setup as well, and they had a, a fantastic FA Cup run last year as well. So, yeah, that would be a Why? good job. Can I ask Why? Why? Um, yeah, why there? I'm a huge Newcastle fan. I think if the opportunity ever arises in the future to play for them, I'll be jumping at the chance. But I think um, I did my master's in sport in directorship, so I think that that really lends itself to having an you know like an overseeing role. You know, that's pretty much what I aspire to be. Uh, so yeah, I just I think that would be it'd be so cool. And then you don't have to deal with media and stuff like that. You can just sit back and let the manager take the stick. Lucy, <laughs> well, um, we're at Newcastle Ladies, and uh, hopefully they 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 listen and then maybe get a contact in a couple of years. You know what? It's so <laughs> funny. I've been saying to so many people, oh, I really want, I really want to do this. I really want to do this. And then so many people text me like, oh, when you're at Newcastle, can you hire me as this? Or when you're at Newcastle, like, can you sign me as a player? I'm like, I've not got the job yet, but. Getting in early. Hire me as a manager then and give me a good salary. Yeah, yeah. You can be technical <laughs> yeah, yeah. coach. We know a good technical you coach. Technical yeah, coach. Yeah, I'd be a good one as well. But you just need to pay properly. <laughs> You're expensive, aren't you? Compared to the players that I'm trying to improve. <laughs> so good. Luce, I mean, we, we want to keep you here for more hours. Obviously, we've already gone over time. So thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. And seriously, all the best at Aston Villa. We'll all be watching and cheering for you. Um, I think you've converted at least one of us in this group into an Aston Villa fan after this conversation. So oh, I'll be watching more yeah. Aston Villa games. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but no, thanks a lot for your time and um, yeah, all the best, buddy. Thanks for cool. having me. It's nice to speak to you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. All right, so that was an awesome first half with Lucy Staniforth, who's just moved to Aston Villa. And heading into our halftime team talk, we're going to talk about the FA Cup fourth round uh, happened just recently. Some of those stats, uh, sorry, some of those results are not very surprising, to be honest. Tottenham beat London City 5-0. Man City, very impressive win over Sheffield United 7-0. Man United just scraped by Sunderland 2-1. Chelsea 3-1 against Liverpool, West Ham, Wolverhampton 2-0, Arsenal smashed Leeds Ladies 9-0, Cardiff City, Burnley was 4-1, and Reading, ah, an interesting one for you, Farah, 2-2 with Leicester City at the uh, end of the game, and then one in penalty shootouts, Aston Villa, Lucy Stanforth's team beating Filde, 11-0, 11-0, that was the biggest score line. So there are a few other games, but those are sort of the biggest ones that we saw. Thoughts on the FA Cup fourth round, guys? I love the FA Cup. I think it's, <laughs> you know, for me, it's, it's the one cup as a kid. And, and if you're from England, you'll understand, but it's the one cup as a kid that you dream of getting to Wembley. Like, And I know in this, certainly in a women's game, as a kid for myself growing up, was never possible because obviously they didn't play it there. But that dream actually did come true when when I got to the final and won it at Wembley with Arsenal. So Way. I, mean, I mean, the fact that it's at Wembley now, I just think that 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 cup in itself, the history within that cup, it's the longest serving cup in in league history, and that's that's across the world. So yeah, it's it's a famous cup that everybody in England dreams of being a part. And I just think, look, I understand that the results are crazy, right? And the women's games progress massively now. So when you when you see the likes of Arsenal beating Leeds 9-0, for example. That just shows how far the top end of the game's come. But you've you seen after the game and, and the likes of Jennifer Beattie and uh, Leah Williamson, and they're all swapping shirts. And it, it means so much to these, mm. you know, younger players or, or players that are never going to make it to the top level and who idolise, you know, our Lionesses or the Scottish internationals or, 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 or these international players to just have the opportunity to step on the pitch with them. And it's the same with the men. It's no different in our game to the men's game when, you know, lower league teams get to play against, you know, role models, idols, and just be on the same pitch. So I just think for that reason, you know, the famous FA Cup is just, yeah, the, the best to be a part of. I don't know what your thoughts are uh, being English and the FA Cup being the history behind it. 100%. And don't forget, we played FA Cup in the streets. Like, I'm not sure was a real competition. A real competition. You knockouts, yeah. Literally, knockouts. You play like Winner Stays On, FA Cup, and we were celebrating. You know, you slide on the grass there now. No. You on the concrete, right? In the road. Like, we just won the cup, but it means so much to actually see that transition from playing in the streets. Mm. And I live quite close to Wembley, so I've always seen the old Wembley, the, the new Wembley arch, and to, like to see that actually now there's an opportunity to play at the home of football. Mm. Like it's you can't even you can't even think of it. Like I I actually thought about playing for Man United more 
than playing at Wembley, which is an even more unrealistic thing. So, yeah, I've been quite lucky enough to, again, like Farrah, be involved in, in the FA Cup and remember winning it with Charlton. And we'd been nice. lost like, several times and got battered by Arsenal. And finally, finally, um, when we won, it was literally like, yeah, it's just it's such a it's such a memorable moment, but it's, it kind of gets you hungry to want to do it again. And there could be so many different upsets. I actually remember we played Aston Villa one year for Charlton and we were well favourites. And I remember Keith saying, like, this could be your banana skin. Like, do not lose, like, to this team. We lost 1-0 absolutely gutted but again that's what it's about like anyone can be pitted up against mm. anyone across the league and I saw like hashtag United which is like a a new team they got through to the to the fourth round and that's like a, just a group of girls that's I think like social influencers have kind of come yeah. together and made up a team and and now they're playing in the fourth round of the FA Cup like it's crazy but yeah it's it's great to see, like Farrow said, like other young players who see like the Lionesses, who see the other internationals and get that chance to play against them. Um, and yeah, it, it's a memorable moment on and off the pitch, something they'll remember for, for a lifetime. And I guess when we're looking at participation, it gives that aspirations for maybe other schoolgirls or just community playing football girls. Actually, I could play for a normal team, not necessarily a top team, and still have the chance of playing against some of my idols. So, yeah. That's amazing. the part I like the best, Earth. I think, like, you know, not having grown up here and been a part of lots of different other leagues, I think the mm -hmm. FA Cup has a really special tinge to it because you have this sort of underdog that can always upset, you mm -hmm. know, the Man United. So I could, it doesn't matter what club I'm paying for, hashtag United, which <laughs> you said is such an interesting club, mm -hmm. um, being able to play against Coventry, it was this this round. But yeah, so interesting. So what, just quick, quickly, what year did you win the FA Cup, Earth? What day? When was when, 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 it? You know what, Bex, my first four FA Cup, I got to the FA Cup like four years on the run and lost all four. What what years were those, Farah? I can't remember, but Eartha beat me in one of them. That's why she put <laughs> But there you go. There you've had it from two FA Cup winners themselves. And now heading into our second half, which is talking all about managers. This one's an interesting topic. We brought it up last week, but male versus female. Heading into that next. So into our second half, talking about managers, specifically in England, in this league, in the Barclays WSL, we now currently have only four female WSL managers. If you can name them, you get 10 points. Uh, we might do it at the end. Okay, we'll give it to you. It's Chelsea, Aston Villa, Reading, and Tottenham Spurs. Now, that must be an issue. I mean, 12 out of, I mean, sorry, four out of 12 teams, but they seem to be leaking as well. We've just seen Arsenal's assistant coach leave this week. Thoughts on this, guys? Is it a problem for the game here in England? I mean, it is because obviously you want to see more female coaches where possible if they're good enough. Let me, let me add that because I, I don't think it's about gender. I think it's about whether they can deliver the quality that's needed within the women's game in order to progress the women's game. So I don't think it's so much about gender, but we have fantastic female coaches out there. We certainly have some retired players that I believe that would have gone on to do a fantastic job within coaching and certainly help the next generation. I myself wanted to be a part of coaching, but I just feel like there's so many barriers when you come out of the game or opportunities in terms of actually real life coaching at the top level in order to help you progress, develop, 
and stay motivated to want to do that and um that's a difficult thing but for me i would like to see obviously more females in the game but you have to be the right female what you, kind you, of challenges like well, like, well certainly it, it, it's 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 a pressure game now right so it's a professional game so in terms of results it's a results-based game and managers are you know you can keep or, or, or lose the job depending on where your team are i know when i was at Reading in terms of opportunities to actually be on the grass and actually deliver sessions, it just wasn't there. So I was involved on, and you know, great opportunity for me to actually be involved on the coaching team, um, and great to watch and learn off. You know, certainly some of the, the coaches that are, are highly respected. I think are so important in our game in terms of our de development of the game. But in terms of them being able to do the bigger picture stuff, so the smaller stuff is, you know, pretty easy. And I used to do that at the with, with, with the younger team, so the, the, the smaller type sessions, functional type sessions. Yeah. I'm not saying they're easier to deliver, but easier to give me an opportunity to deliver. When it comes to the bigger picture stuff and actually doing the more team-based structured stuff. The fun um, stuff. It's not so much fun. It's more detailed. It's more yeah. like team it together. But that's what you want to, yeah, that's what you want to be involved in, right? Yeah, right, yeah. That's where you make your errors. That's where you, you learn. You get it right and wrong in those, bigger, in those bigger pictures and you see things differently. You know, how do you want your team to set up with a high press and mid and low, whatever it might be? Or how do you want them to progress up the pitch in terms of your possession? Do you want it to be a direct? Do you want it to be possession-based, you know, percentage-based? So in terms of those opportunities and actually being able to get out there with a higher end level of female players because let's be honest it's really the WSL one that, that brings the, the, the high quality championship is really catching I, I would agree I haven't seen London City Lionesses play Tottenham in terms of the gap is closing for sure but in terms of getting those opportunities with with top end players you don't really get that and then obviously then when you drop down the pyramid it's really difficult to get your coaching news mm. point across because then the level and capability of the players is a massive drop off so yeah. that's what I mean in terms of opportunity, but but also in terms of opportunity, financial opportunity, like financially to get your badges, you know, it's so expensive to go and do your, your B license, your A license, that financially that is that is off-putting. And then the support around, you know, players that are coming out of the game in terms of helping fund that. And I, I mean, I was lucky that the FA finally helped to fund my, my A license. So I was quite lucky. I was going to go with the Welsh FA and I started that with them. And obviously... Yeah. Would have looked good on, on on the FA for me to have, you know, gone and done it with with the Welsh FA. So I, so I was lucky and, and fortunate. But not everybody gets that same opportunity to then be helped with that funding. And I think certainly the funding around the courses is, is far too expensive. Um, and also I think that the courses in terms of the delivery of the courses, I think I don't know how for you obviously haven't been on the recent one, but they're so dominated towards or, or biased towards the men's game. Hmm. And I and I and I've said it. Throughout my playing career, and I, I continue to say it, the games are different. And we have to accept that as females. Females, in terms of capabilities compared to male capabilities, are so different on an 11v11 pitch. So therefore, your coaching style and what and how you can deliver something will be slightly different and tapered to what the capabilities or physical capabilities or technical capabilities of the female game. And they're so biased towards how the men's game is played that it's quite difficult for a female coach because I used to have those debates on the A licence around, well, actually, when you're coaching a female team in terms of, for example, let me give you an example, the distances in terms of what females can cover to men and how you can overcover or undercover, whatever, is totally different. And I think yeah. that there has to be a course more directed towards the women's game. But, I mean, if you did your coaching badge years ago, so, I mean, I don't know what your 
thoughts are on in terms of the coaching badges back then and, and, and your learnings from it or your, your views on it from them, but they're my current views on, on, the, yeah. on the badges. I think from, from my point of view and talking about it from when I done my badges, I purely done it from an educational standpoint, not necessarily because I wanted to be a manager, but just I wanted to continue learning. And I knew obviously how it would help in terms of understanding the game. I think you touched on a key point, though, Farah, in terms of you even talked about your access to even getting on a course. And that's and this is my question around does it matter who you are or what league you play for or what profile you have as a player to how accessible it is? To, to get on those coaching badges or to be supported. So when we're looking at how many are coming through the pipeline, actually how many are getting the opportunity and the real support in order to really progress through those ranks onto a course and to be successful at it? Because I think... Oh, but you're saying that uh, it's even harder now because I know years ago you used to be able to go through your county FA and get onto courses yeah. that way. I don't, from, from, from my awareness of it, with the amount of messages I get in my inbox, how can you help me get on a course? I think that's changed. I think the process around being able to get on courses, whether that be level two, one, the B like which is level three, the B license, A license, it's changed. So in terms of access and being able to, to, to even access a course, I think I think that I think there's still I think there is accessibility, and I think there's even only female only courses that they that they're putting on. I think the point I'm trying to make is where we're looking at where they're progressing into top management jobs. I think there's a specific type of player or ex-player that they're looking in terms of that role in coming through to, to manage a team. Similarly to where you're looking at where the men are transitioning and they're quite high profile and they're transferring to the women's game and clubs are picking them up because they'll get players because of the men's profile. I think it's, it's a similar thing in terms of the women, where we're not seeing them transition into those higher roles in WSL or championship or higher up up the, the, the National League in terms of the pyramid, because realistically, am I really going to get a job? There's 12 jobs in the WS. There's only 12 places. Like, so we can do all this coaching and, and those coming through through the pipeline, but are they realistically getting the support and the opportunity to coach and get better? Like you said, if you was at Reading, how many opportunities did you get to like leave from the front? None. You might be technically, by on paper, part of that role, but how are you really being given the chance to be stretched and challenged and to deal with different scenarios? You're not. And I think that I think women are a lot more kind of clued on in terms of I'm not going to invest my time in something that I'm not realistically going to get a fair pop at progressing it. And I think it's not easy. It's not easy. So, and I get it because it's not easy for a club to go you know, you're ready-made. We're not ready-made. So unless you've been doing it whilst playing, we're not ready-made coaches. We're not ready-made managers. Some are very lucky, you know, that they do it. You, you, you know, for me, for example, when I was playing, I played till the very end of my career. So I wasn't one of those players that faded out from being a substitute. So you can kind of start to think about something else. Mm-hmm. I finished my career as a starter. That makes sense? So I didn't have, yeah. my, my thoughts weren't, okay, you know what? I'm, I'm not a starter, but I still want to be involved in the game. Let me concentrate on coaching in my last couple of years as a player. That wasn't an option for me. I started until the end. So in terms of there's some players that maybe, you know, have other ideas or, or, or start to think what next after playing. I wasn't even on that path. I knew I always wanted to be involved within the game, coaching, because I have a passion for that. In terms of my skill set and know-how straight away and, and how to, you know, graphically or, or the geography around how to set up the pitch and the, 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 the distances etc 
I didn't have a clue. I'd been involved in them, but it's different when you're on the other side. And that support and help around that and exposure to that is just not there. It's just not there within a women's game. And you think about, I can name so many. You've got like Kelly Smith, you've got Rachel Yankee, you've got Laura Bassett. There's so many, I mean, Joe Potter's now coaching, but there's so many players, good players, that I believe could have a huge impact in the women's game that just haven't had that support to be able to then maybe step into that area or department, whatever, within the women's game. I, I feel like these players are so key to helping develop the women's game. It's, it's that financial piece. I don't think there's any... The financial support structure is just not there for females to realistically say, this is my hopes, this is my aspirations, and I'm going to pursue that career. I'm going to go and do my um, continued professional development. I'm going to go and watch players. I'm going to go and learn. It just doesn't happen. Unless you're a top female player, like you said, like Farah in, in the women's game, potentially. Even, even if you are. Yeah. I couldn't live off of it. It's impossible. So financially, there's a massive restriction there in terms of how players then can go in, even if you go in as an assistant or a first-team coach or something like that. Financially, what you are paid to do and the hours you're expected to give is nowhere near a level of being able to live off. So is, this, so is this the investment piece where we're, talking, where we're talking about where the game's growing, but we need to put more money in developing coaches, refereeing become more, becoming more professional, all, those, all these foundational pieces where we're looking for I guess we won't really see the outcomes in the next sort of five, ten years. But unless we start planting those seeds now, we're going to be talking about this again. Well, that's, that's, in, like, in, that's in, one of the areas that I find so interesting because, you know, you talk about these top players. Eartha, it's interesting to hear you say they're looking for a specific type of female player to coach. And then you look at someone like Casey Stoney, who's pretty much been, correct me if I'm wrong, but pretty much the only former female footballer from England that has now coached at the WSL level successfully. I mean, Hope Powell did, but she, you know, back when she was playing, it was sort of a different era. Um, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but she's decided to leave, you know, so she even got up to the top and she decided to leave. And looking at where I played in Germany, I still think that they have the best structure for getting female footballers as players into the coaching. And that was done by Tina Turnemeyer. I don't know if you remember her still, Farah, but she was the women's coach of the German national team for ages. And what she did is she instilled, she installed within the league the, the gaps in the league season where the players could then go and do coaching degrees. So literally they'd have, you know, a 10-day 10 10 window in the FIFA window, but they'd have one of those days where they'd do a coaching degree. So basically, as a player, you, you came through the national team from 17, 20, 23s they had at that time, and the senior team, and you just got your badges as you were playing, and that was all funded by the DFB. And for me, that, you know, no surprise that Inka Grinks is still coaching. Um, Steffi Jones ended up being the national team coach at one point. She was a center back for Germany. So there are a lot of examples of, you know, really good players. I don't know if they still do that because I don't see as many female you know, players transitioning to coaching. But that's exactly what I think we're looking for. It's just a structure that has to be funded by the Federation because clearly it's an issue. But, but that, that makes sense as to why they were so far advanced to every other nation because not only, even if they don't choose to go on and be a coach or a manager, in terms of what you said, if you did it for your understanding of the game, how much more advanced does that make you as a player exactly. when you're in the game and you understand coaching and, and all of these types of things? 
no wonder they, I mean, I, I never knew that, but no wonder they were so far ahead of the game when they were. And when we played them, we could never bloody beat them. Yeah, because <laughs> they could read. They could read on the pitch what you were doing because they knew all the distances, Farah. <laughs> it makes perfect sense how adaptable and how, how good, and, 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 and as you say, it was that that extra 1% that will make them even better. Yeah. yeah. Do you guys and, have and a perfect... You mentioned Casey Stoney there, um, Bex. Yes. And to be honest, I remember when we was at Charlton, so... Casey done her badges. I done my badges. Um, Karen Hills done her badges, and again she played, she managed in the WSL. But actually, mm. the two former players in Karen Hills and Casey Stoney done their badges as well whilst we were playing. And yeah. I think it was back then it was almost like an additional pull in terms of we wasn't professional. Actually, this was another opportunity, a way to earn a wage and earn a salary. So get your badges, do some coaching as well as playing in the league. And actually, I think they actually kind of became passionate about it and wanted to continue that professional development. And that's what we were talking about in terms of when I was saying to Lucy, I think female players, because professionalism was quite new, they always had something else that they wanted to do in terms of a career. But I think where, where we talk about Casey and how she's left England and, and gone across to America, I think we can't like not consider the well-being piece, like the, the work-life balance, like all the other bits that you get. The money, the, the financial money. Balance. In terms yeah. of like being in the US, you look at even houses and spaces like for her family, like it's that way yeah. of life. So what is that bigger package? It's not just about managing. Like, you see that? You see exactly what you're saying there? Yeah. And, and our solution to improving our game is to go and jump from one to a, a million by going, let's get VAR. We haven't even got professional refs. So let's get under soil heating. We haven't even got our own stadiums. So my point is, is that where you're talking there, how can we develop coaches? How about that millions of pounds that you're potentially thinking about putting VAR in the game, right? Mm -hmm. When we're not even there yet. Let's employ professional referees, full-time referees. You know, this undersaw heating. Let's invest in coaches and their well-being and how you can cater for their families so they're comfortable, whatever else it might be, in order to get the best coaches coming through to further develop our game. So then later down the line, we might not even need VAR. Do you know what I mean? Or mm. but, but these are the things we just jump from 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 zero to whatever and think that the solution to our game looking as a better product is to get VAR or is to get mm -hmm. under when yeah. we haven't got the best coaches and we let what potentially we think could be the next best coaches within the game just go. And that's an issue, isn't it? It's not only we're not collecting and training and getting the best English coaches in the WSL. We're not. There's no. We're nowhere near attracting foreign coaches to this league. All right. So that wraps up our second half of managers, male versus female. What's going on in England? Um, and of course, we can talk about that for days, which I'm sure it will come up again. But now we have a little bit of a treat for you guys. It's called extra time, and this is basically your BBB fan questions. So we had we've had a bunch of really awesome questions. It was really hard for us. We went back and forth trying to pick two because we only have time for two, but we got one from Chloe. Do you think the WSL should expand the number of teams? Eartha, go. 100%. I think as the franchise or the, the league grows, we definitely need the competition as we're developing more young players coming through who need game time. Um, it will be great to see I guess, them participating and learning and being stretched and challenged. Um, I just don't know which teams it's going to be. I think, are they trying to get it identical to the Premier League? I don't know who's going to come in. Like, how does it, we're going to have more people 
be promoted from the championship. But yeah, I think there's definitely a, a space for, for more teams and more games. And I think the fans want to travel to more games. So obviously, that's <laughs> in. And Farah, you've already touched on this. I know you have an opinion about it, but what, what do you think? No, I think the game needs, it, it, we need to grow the game. I think we need at least a couple more teams within the league. Um, I certainly think it just makes it more competitive down the bottom end of the table as opposed to the top end just, you know, moving away from it, but everybody else. I just think it makes the whole league a little bit more competitive all year round. Um, and also opportunities, as we mentioned, for some younger players to maybe get some minutes within the WSL and, and compete at the highest level. So I'm all for growing the league and, and, and certainly growing teams within that. Yeah, I, my opinion on that one is I don't think that we need to grow the league now. I think we need to get the foundations right, but I definitely think that in the future it will be expanded and something like 16 teams I think feels feels about right. But still, when you see some of the blowouts um, that we're getting and even if you had two separate groups, that would sort of separate the league too much, I think, into two serious groups. So I don't think we're ready right now. I think we need to get the foundations right, but I definitely, it, I mean, it's inevitable that it will happen. So that's my thoughts on that one. All right. And then over to our second question from Hannah. Thank you, Hannah, for sending it in. Is the Spanish League competitive enough for Barca's 50 consecutive wins to really mean something? So for those of you that missed it, Barcelona women's team, FC Barcelona Femenini, got 50 consecutive wins. That's from last season and this season. And FIFA has said it is a record for any club team, male or female, Guys, thoughts on this? You know what, right? We're going to, like, you always hear people say, oh, the Spanish league isn't competitive enough. The German league isn't competitive enough. The French league isn't competitive enough. But you know what? These teams beat the top teams in our league. So for me, they are competitive enough. And I think the way their foundation, you talk about the youth development within those leagues. You spoke about the German, you know, how the Germans structured their, their youth setups. When you play against, and we did it at Reading, we played against some of the lower teams within uh, the Spanish league, honestly, you can't get near them with the ball. So in terms of how they, for us on paper, what it looks like, because Barcelona are very good. Let's be honest, they're very, very good. They've got the top, top players. They've got pretty much the whole of the Spanish uh, national team within their setup. So they are a top team, a bit like how Man City used to dominate here for a while when they had the whole of their, the pretty much the Lionesses within, within their squad. Okay. So I think their league is very competitive. I just think that it's, different to our league. We don't have one team running away with it in our league because we have two or three that compete because you have three big names. And when you think about the, the English league and you compare it to the men's and you hear the likes of Man United or Manchester City or Arsenal or Chelsea, that for females wanting to play for those teams is a big draw. In, in Spain, really, when you think about the names on paper, we only ever used to Real Madrid or Barcelona. Hence, they're the only draws really within that league. But in terms of the whole league and how competitive it is, for me, it's very competitive. And you can ask the players that go there. I think they all agree that it's competitive. I agree. I think we talk about history and when we talk about, because we're talking about male or females, a lot of the time we say, back in 1886, this is the <laughs> oldest club. Back in 1804, they... So if it's all right in the men's game and when, when it was that type of football, why would the records be any different for the current Barcelona squad? It just doesn't make any sense. If we're taking records from 1805 and what clubs are achieving and the longest ground and or why wouldn't they take the Spanish? Well done, Barcelona, 50 wins. They are the record holders. Congratulations. 
I couldn't agree more. I think, you know, especially because if it were something like basketball where you have, you know, baskets every 30 seconds where you're getting lots and lots of scores. But football is, and I know this is a really simple statement, but it's a really difficult game. It's a difficult game to win because you have to score goals. And even if you packed 11 of your players into the box, you still have to figure out a way to break that down. And, you know, some of the teams do play a really, really, really low block in, uh, in Spain. And so I think still being able to win, you know, when you're not that motivated, you're playing against teams that aren't as good as you, you know you're going to beat them 9-0, 10-0, you're coming to the game knowing we're so much better than them, you still have to find the motivation. Um, so I, I totally agree. I think it's an amazing feat. And I guess the only thing that makes it a little bit sad is the fact that, you know, when they won, um, when they won the cup, the, pre the women's super cup the previous weekend, they had to pick up their own medals because the Royal Spanish Football Federation refused to do their medal ceremony for them. So I feel like, you know, they've had a high, but actually they're still fighting those 15 players that wrote the letter to the RFEF about the, the poor treatment from Jorge Vilda, their coach. Um, affecting their mental health, and that's still being ignored. I, I think that that sort of really mars the success of that Barcelona team, and it, I think it's childish behavior, if I'm honest, from from the federation. So that's the only sort of context I would give it, where it feels a bit sad, you know. I agree. All righty. Well, that will then wrap up our boots, balls, and bras. Thank you guys for not only listening but participating this week and sending us your fan questions and comments. We always want to hear them, so don't stop those. And we will see you next week. Um, and we've got a special guest coming on, so looking forward to that. Thanks, guys. Have a good week. Bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.